In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was to go. By faith he sojourned in the promised land as in a foreign country. In the scriptures we read very often about how God chooses someone and commands them to get out of their comfort zone and move to a new place, receive a new name, and assume a new state in life. Abram was a merchant in Ur of the Chaldees with no children and became Abraham, the father of many nations, in a newly promised land. Simon was a fisherman in Galilee who became Peter, the Pope of Rome. Saul was a Jewish scholar of the law from Tarsus who on the road to Damascus became Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Even in our own lives, which may often seem very far from the adventures of biblical times, we see that God gives us new beginnings, even when we don't necessarily want them. St. John Henry Newman whose own journey from Anglican professor at Oxford to cardinal of the Roman church saw this kind of change. He reflected on this and wrote words that I prayed over now for many years. God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. I may never know it in this life, but I shall be told it in the next. I'm a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. He has not created me for naught. I shall do good. I shall do his work. I shall be an angel of peace, a preacher of truth in my own place, while not intending it if I do but keep the commandments. Therefore, I will trust him wherever I am. I can never be thrown away. If I'm in sickness, my sickness may serve him. In perplexity, my perplexity may serve him. If I am in sorrow, may my sorrow serve him. He does nothing in vain. He knows what he is about. He may take away my friends. He may throw me among strangers. He may make me feel desolate, make my spirit sink, hide my future from me. Still, he knows what he is about. As you know, Bishop Guglielmone gave me six weeks to go explore something and somewhere that God has laid a burden on my heart for in a place where I never in a million years would have ever have thought would even called my attention. We often have this idea of missionaries being heroic people, doing extraordinary things in exotic places, sacrificing themselves nobly for the cause of the gospel. And that certainly is the case for many. As for me, I don't think I contributed much at all to the life of the church in what has been called the heart of the world. At Prince of Peace, I'm very comfortable, especially in my own skin, and I've reigned gloriously as Lord Pastor for over a decade, and I love every minute of it. 
well, almost every minute of it. In Istanbul, I had the experience of pain of desperately wanting to communicate and only being able to do so like a baby learning its first words. It was uncomfortable in all kinds of ways. I prayed, Lord, please take me out of my comfort zone. I got a weird mystery skin rash. (laughs) Be careful what you pray for. You don't know what's going to happen. I didn't give much at all as I realized that I didn't really have all that much to give. But I received so very much, and maybe that was the point. God wanted to give a new nation to Abraham. He wanted to take Paul's stony, legalistic heart and set it ablaze with the fire of the Spirit. He wanted to take Peter's rough-and-tumble enthusiasm and refine it into wise servant leadership. He wanted to take Newman's quiet, bookish mental exercises and make them serve the purpose of attracting others to the communion of the ancient church. It wasn't about what they were going to do for him. It was about what he was going to do in them. Before I left, I quoted Pope Benedict XVI, you were not made for comfort, you were made for greatness. The church, by her very nature, is outward-looking. It is itself a mission. But as universal as that mission of the church is, we experience it as local. The church universal is made present in a concrete way in a local diocese with a particular bishop. Our neighborhood parish with a very specific set of people who are all working their salvation out with the blessings, problems, and challenges that we all have. But we can also try to tame the Spirit and lock ourselves up in little silos where we become so inward-looking that the heart of darkness overtakes hearts that were meant to be free. That's why the church has always encouraged her pastors and her people to look beyond the local church to other places. Foreign missions have to be as much of a reality for the domestic church just as the mission we have right here at Prince of Peace. It's not an either-or. It's a both-and. Now, of course, that's easy to say, but what does that look like exactly? From time to time here in the parish, we've opened our doors to others for things that didn't benefit us directly at all. We've had people come from the Holy Land, college and university apostolates, the Catholic Near East Welfare Association. And if you've ever gotten on a Catholic mailing list, 
You know what I'm talking about, so surely it's not just me, right? You get bombarded with trinkets and sacramentals and mass cards, begging for donations for any number of good causes. And that's all wonderful. But I had to ask myself as a pastor, how can we be involved as a parish family in something more concrete, some kind of need for foreign mission which isn't being met by anyone? And to be honest, I've asked this question and prayed about it for years without a clear indication of what it meant. When? Where? How? What? And I had to ask myself the question, why? Was this all just an idea cooked up in my brain, or what's left of it? Or was it truly the will of God? But providence often puts people and places in our lives at a certain place and a certain time to manifest His will. And that presents us with a chance and a choice to ignore that prompt of the Spirit or just to run with it. Pray as if everything depends on God and work as if everything depends on you. Now, was it St. Augustine or St. Ignatius who said this? I have no idea. Whoever said it, really super great advice, right? There is now a tangible link. It happened through me, but that's how it happened, okay? From this part of the vineyard and another part of the vineyard. The Vicar Apostolic of Istanbul has asked our parish to adopt a parish in Turkey. Now, exactly what that relationship is going to look like, that takes some time to develop. Only God knows. But I do ask you to prayerfully consider supporting me in this endeavor. On Saturday, September the 10th, from 6.30 to 9 p.m., I will give a presentation called A Fire Waiting to be Lit, The History and Future of Catholicism in Turkey. In this presentation, I'm going to talk about what the present situation of the church in Turkey is and how we got there, as well as all the amazing possibilities that make it an exciting local church to collaborate with. So I do ask you to please come to the presentation, invite others who might be interested. That weekend, there'll be an informative insert in the bulletin with a brief overview of what this is. And there will be, of course, an opportunity to give a sacrificial gift, if that's what our Lord inspires you to do. One of the things that I realized very deeply in these last six weeks is that sometimes we lose sight of the fact that something that can seem really small and inconsequential to us can actually be a massive factor for positive change for many other people. I'm just going to give you one example. I went to a church, which I'll talk about a little bit later, but I went to a church and there was a young man who had come up to me who had converted to Christianity from Islam and wanted to pray the rosary. He'd never seen a rosary before. And he said, 
oh, the priest is here. Do you have a rosary? And I had on my neck my little, it was kind of a rosary scapular combo like the Filipinos have. So it said, kill two birds with one stone kind of thing. I said, this is great. And so I said, I can't keep this. So, of course, as a Catholic, terrified to be anywhere without the brown scapular, right? But okay, here we go. Because there's nowhere for him to get a rosary, right? So I said, okay, here. And he was so effusive with his gratitude for just receiving a rosary that I couldn't even say the prayers to enroll him in the scapular. I'm sitting off to the side saying the prayers to make it happen. Something totally inconsequential. I put on the scapular and rosary every day and never think about it. It's a whole different world. I am praying that our minds and hearts may be open to a profound radical conversion to a way of being the church that embraces a passion for foreign mission, not just in any way, but in a very specific way. Now, in the future, you'll hear more about this from me. Today, Turkey is a secular state with an overwhelming Muslim majority. What we call Turkey today is the same territory where St. Paul was from and went on his first missionary journeys. If we call holy the land where Jesus preached and taught, lived, died, and rose again, Turkey is the holy land of the church. It was there at Antioch that the followers of Jesus were first called Christians. It is the site of the seven churches of the book of Revelation, as well as the site of the first seven ecumenical councils of the church. Up until World War I, 25% of the country was Christian. Only a century later, it is less than 0.5% Christian. But Turkey is also the only place in the Islamic world where it is not illegal to convert to Christianity. And there are indeed converts, and there are more who want to become Christians. There's also numerous immigrants who work in Turkey who are Latin Rite Catholics, and their life is not like any other place in the world. And while there is a lot of support, and thanks be to God, for the beleaguered Christian presence in the Holy Land, there is practically nothing for the church in the place where the first generation of Christians actually spread the gospel. The first ecumenical council took place in the year 325 at Nicaea. You know, every Sunday, we're going to do this in a few minutes, we pray the words of the creed which was the fruit of that council which defined the Christian dogma that Jesus Christ is true God and true man. The closest Christian presence today is an hour away at Bursa, where Catholics, Protestants, and Orthodox share one church. That's all that they're permitted to have. And that church is a little bit larger than our Adoration Chapel. The lack of priestly vocations for the missions means that they have Mass once a month if they're lucky. And the Catholics go to the Protestant service the other Sundays because there's nothing else to do, right? There's no alternative. The bishop wants to send a priest to reopen the church of the first ecumenical council in time for its 1700th anniversary, 
to bring back to life the local church in the place where the church proclaimed the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to do that, they need to have a place for the priest to live, for the church to gather and do the kinds of things that we do at Prince of Peace day in and day out and don't even think about it. That the Catholic community of Borsa wants to do too, but there's no way to do it until now. I want you to think about what it means for these Catholic Christians, your brothers and sisters, to be able only to have Mass once a month, and even that not all the time. Of the despair of not being able to go to confession when you need it. When I came here, I hadn't gotten into the church before I had people complaining about there was only three Masses to go to on the Feast of the Assumption. That's what I'm talking about by a radical conversion to understanding foreign mission. Because we can do so much, and it really is not going to take all that much. So this year, our spiritual focus as a parish is going to be on the conversion of our spiritual and interior life from being inwardly directed at our own community to a broader vision of mission and evangelization, both here in our backyard as well as abroad. We now have a visible, tangible link that Providence has asked us to go with. Prince of Peace has always been a place where sound doctrine and excellent liturgy have been driving forces. We now have a chance to bring back the very local church where that doctrine and liturgy had its sources, outside of Jesus and Jerusalem, of course. We couldn't do what we do and be what we are without what happened in Nicaea 1,700 years ago. And now we have been called to replant the church there. And it's not going to take all that much to do, so let's roll up our sleeves and let's do this.